0: Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview based podcast focused on offering listeners in depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Hello and welcome, interdimensional and intergalactic wanderers of all ilk. My name's Clinton Cayley. This is a podcast called Psychedelicast. I host it. Thank you guys for joining us to listen to a new, brand new episode here with uh, an interview from a very interesting guy. We're going to be talking with Rob from Adeptus Psychonautica today. tell you a little bit more about him here in a minute. Um, If you hear some background noise, guys, I'm actually uh, recording this from my uh, Airbnb here in Cancun, Mexico. I've been here for about five days, kind of still getting the hang of it, Uh, learning, trying to learn the way of the road, um, figuring some things out, having some stumbles and some bumbles here and there. I pretty seriously injured my toe like the second night, I just like was walking at a pretty brisk pace and i kicked like a raised part of the concrete and fucked up my big toe so i'm kind of struggling with that a little bit but um it's getting better it's gonna be fine it's all good just gotta kind of gotta take it easy um the weather's been on and off here in cancun kind of rainy uh here and there in patches and kind of stupid hot humid and sunny for the most part but beautiful out here i'm really enjoying myself and just getting the lay of the land uh getting ready to be here for another three or four nights. Then I'm heading down to Playa del Carmen, and I'll talk to you guys from there. Um, Making some friends via the internet, and one of those friends took me to her her gym, and I'm supposed to have tacos with another uh, friend tonight or an acquaintance, and uh, the internet is an amazing tool for this kind of thing. It's really helping me to meet people uh, when it would otherwise be more difficult for me. And I'm working on doing the whole meeting people in real life thing um, as well, like just approaching people and meeting them, but I don't have a commanding grasp of the language here, so I'm doing what I can, and uh, I'm figuring it out, and I'm learning. Anyways, let's uh, tell you a little bit about our guest, and then we'll do some news, and then we'll get right into the interview. Thank you guys for joining us on Psychedelicast today. All right, guys. Today's guest is going to be the host of the Adeptus Psychonautica channel on YouTube. Uh, We're going to be speaking with Rob, who is a content creator extraordinaire. Uh, Fans of this show would likely already be familiar with him, or several of you will. Uh, He's a big influence on me, and I really enjoy his channels. Um, We talk about it briefly during the discussion, but there was a time where I would watch his stuff like constantly. I, I probably watched all of his... Maybe not all of, but I watched a good portion of his videos when I was working uh, overnights. And uh, so it was cool to talk to him because it's somebody who I just watched work all the time. And uh, let's tell you a little bit about Adeptus Psychonautica as a channel, and then we'll get to our discussion. Uh, Reviews, commentary, and observations on all things relating to the psychedelic community. Rob's been an active member of the psychedelic community for several years, taking part in various retreats across Europe and Peru. He created this channel as a way to document his adventures and as a way to comment on conversations that arise within the global psychedelic community. He does reviews of ayahuasca retreats, trip reports on his own personal experiences, commentary on hot topics related to psychedelics, and he shares his general musings on what he thinks is happening with these amazing substances. He would love to co- he uh, would love to collaborate with any other YouTubers who are interested in these topics. And if anyone has a project in mind, then feel free to reach out to him via his email address, which is listed below, on his YouTube uh, profile page in the About section. At any rate, uh, it was really cool for me to talk to to Rob. This is another one of my fanboy moments. I have a lot of these because, dude, so many of these people I think are so cool, and I'm and I really I'm not bullshitting you guys when I say that a lot of these guys that I talk to I follow their work very very closely. So it's always a treat for me to get to talk to them, and this episode is no different. We're going, to, we're going to give you a little news segment, and then we're going to get into it. Thank you guys once again. Here at psychedeliccast we are all about supporting and promoting people, projects, and products in the psychedelic arena. If you or someone you know has any project you would like to promote via the show, reach out to me at clintonkaylee at gmail.com or at Psychedelicast via social media. Thanks, guys. And we're going to do a little promotion for ourselves right now. We love you guys tuning in and listening to the show. We'd also love it for you to engage with us on all social media platforms at Psychedelicast. On Twitter, it's with two Ts. Um, We don't do much on Twitter, but you can check us out there too. Uh, Instagram and Facebook are poppin'. Beyond that, subscribe to the show, please, on your podcatcher of choice. Share it with your friends and family and the psychedelic community at large, and stay awesome. Let's do psychedelic news. Hold up. I wasn't done. My bad. New shit has come to light, man. New shit has come to light. First of all, the young lady I'm supposed to meet up with tonight just texted me back and confirmed that we are going to go get tacos and beer, so that is going to be dope. Uh, we're going to have to dance around the language issue, but we got translators. We'll make it work. Um, also dude, I just booked, uh, about two weeks in the, in the future. I just booked a stay at a place in Tulum called literally called Bufo Alvarius. Um, it's a trippy looking little hotel lodging thing. Uh, didn't cost me very much money and they offer Bufo sessions. So, uh, I'm going to grab my balls, man up, and I'm gonna be smoking a toad here in just a few days. So I'm super stoked for that. I'm shitting my pants already, but uh, you know what, dude? We're gonna do it. Uh, Now let's do Psychedelic News. In Psychedelic News today, got an interesting one here. Uh, Kinda quirky and out of the norm, but uh, I found it interesting, so I'm gonna relay it to you guys. This one comes from fiercebiotech.com. It was written by Arlene Weintraub uh, on August the 13th of 2020. It's entitled, Ulysses Sheds Light on Psychedelics That Relieve Asthma in Rats with No Mental Effects. Like I said, this is kind of like weirdly specific, but interesting nonetheless. Psychedelic drugs like LSD have long been of interest in the medical community because of their anti-inflammatory properties but efforts to transform them into therapeutics have been hampered by laws restricting the use of psychedelics, not to mention the stigma associated with them. Ulysses was found in 2014 with the mission of turning psychedelics into anti-inflammatories, and now it has data from from pre-clinical study that it will use to guide the development of its first drug candidates to treat inflammatory conditions. The company's researchers screened 21 psychedelics that target the serotonin receptor 5-HT2A. Activating the receptor is known to have anti-inflammatory effects in asthma. The team discovered that the structural characteristics of one class of psychedelics known as 2,5-dimethoxyphenethylamine or 2CH allows them to control inflammation without producing the behavioral effects of LSD and related drugs. They published their observations in the journal ACS Pharmacology and Translational Science. Here's a quote. Serotonin actually activates inflammation, but we found that in contrary to that, these psychedelics are potent anti-inflammatories. said Charles D. Nichols, Ph.D., professor of pharmacology at Louisiana State University and chair of Ulysses Scientific Advisory Board in an interview. Psychedelics in the 2-CH class are related to mescaline and amphetamines, but are not known to have any behavioral effects, Nichols said. It's really the core structure of these mescaline-type analog drugs that can produce a full anti-inflammatory response. Ulysses will use the insights it gained from the study to inform the development of anti-inflammatory drugs, including its current lead candidate, an eye drop that targets 5-HT2A for the treatment of retinal disorders. The Ulysses team started by creating a rat-based model of allergic asthma rather than using the mouse models that researchers typically rely on in studying the disease. The problem with mice is that they metabolize some psychedelic compounds so quickly that they often don't provide an accurate prediction of how a psychedelic-like drug might work in people with inflammatory conditions. The 21 drugs they studied activated the 5-HT2A receptor, but differed in their ability to prevent the airway constriction that is the hallmark of allergic asthma. LSD, for example, wasn't effective in the rat models, a surprising find according to Nichols. One main takeaway was that the potency of a given psychedelic wasn't predicted by its psychoactive properties, Nichols said. LSD, which is a super potent psychedelic that produces behavioral effects at very low doses, is a relatively weak anti-inflammatory. So the cellular effects that mediate anti-inflammatory responses are very different from those that are underlying the behavioral effects. Several academic groups are studying psychedelics as treatments for a wide variety of diseases. Last year, Johns Hopkins pulled in $17 17 million in funding to open the new Center for Psychedelic and Consciousness Research, which is studying the effects of the drugs on brain function, memory, learning, and mood. The center's scientists are also researching the potential of psilocybin, the key ingredient in magic mushrooms, for treating Alzheimer's, opioid addiction, and other neurological conditions. Ulysses is starting by developing ocular drugs to target 5-HT2A partly because delivering drugs directly to the eye further minimizes the risk of mental side effects from psychedelic compounds, Nichols said. The company hopes to expand its pipeline in the future. This study will inform us on how we can engineer new chemical chemical entities with potent anti-inflammatory effects in other diseases like asthma and rheumatoid arthritis, he said. Fascinating. So I'm glad I came across that. That's really, really interesting. Um, Yeah, check that article out from Fierce Biotech if you want to um, about that company Ulysses working on psychedelic and asthma research. Never would have thought. Never would. That would have never crossed my mind, boy. All right, guys. Let's get into our interview with Rob from Adeptus Psychonautica. Take it away. internet connection where i live has been shitty lately so <clears throat> had to run over to my neighbors and use their internet <laughs> uh, where are where you at i'm in houston texas
1: actually okay where are you at uh yeah i'm in switzerland i'm not i'm not actually from switzerland i'm from from england but I, I live in switzerland at the moment so
0: okay nice never been to either one of those places i would love to come check it out
1: yeah it's uh yeah you it's a lot of lot of stuff worth checking out in Europe. It's so, but well, I mean, likewise with the U.S. Mate, I've I've been to the U.S. a little bit, um, mostly around uh, North Carolina because I've got some some work offices there. But, so, but yeah, I'd love to. It's one of those places I'd love to do a bit more exploring. And but uh, there's a long list of places to get to. <laughs> yeah right. Yeah yeah. No, I
0: I'm I'm in the same boat. Alright, so we have Rob here of Adeptus Psychonautica. Welcome to Psychedelicast. This is a podcast where we interview people in the culture, people that we think are cool and interesting. I've been a fan of your show for uh, quite a while now, so um, I've been watching your YouTube videos and i I got some stuff I'd like to talk to you about, um, but before we get into like the finer points and specifics, why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory and what brought you to this Project Adeptus Psychonautica?
1: Yeah, I mean it's, it's kind of a where, where to start it's quite a long and convoluted story. I guess I, I guess the, the simple sort of version is that I I started this YouTube channel because I thought there was a voice missing in the kind of psychedelic discourse. There was a lot of stuff which was very out there in terms of sort of, you know, People talking about sort of, you know, meeting God or meeting aliens and all these kind of very Joe Rogan-esque sort of experiences, which are, you know, all absolutely fine and valid, and I like those sort of narratives just as much as everybody else does. And then the other end of the spectrum was this very sort of cut and dried, this is just drugs, just acting on your brain, that's it, you know. And there, wasn't, there didn't seem to be much of information that was useful to someone like myself who I consider myself just a very average normal person I've got a wife two kids I go to work what can these things do for me and you know what what works and what doesn't work and so I you know I started down my own sort of path where with you know some of these cyclists going to things like ayahuasca retreats and yeah I just thought I'd put out the information that's the kind of stuff that I wanted to see like this place is good. This place sucks. This medicine did this for me. This medicine I thought was not particularly interesting, you know. And it's all just purely my opinion. I'm not making any claims to being some kind of teacher or like the definitive opinion on any of this stuff. It's just like, hey, I'm the average Joe, and here's what I found out is going on in the, in the jungles of South America or something. So right that's that was kind of my, I think. And the the whole thing it came out of one of my uh, psychedelic experiences. Were um i was kind of encouraged by the experience to to have a creative outlet and i'd always been interested in sort of like kind of like that filmmaking video essays kind of thing so that just seemed to be the, the the outlet for me so that's why i started the channel It was a kind of combination of those two reasons just down-to-earth information and my creative outlet and yeah that was it really that's what's led to this point. Okay, good. Um, so I that's one of the main things
0: actually that I like about your channel and I wasn't able to quite get to like make that point myself, but the way that you've just stated it makes more sense. It's very kind of, you know, like you're saying, a lot of times in this psychedelic culture, whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, there's a lot of kind of like polarity Between the two thought camps These are Mm -hmm. mystical Religious experiences These compounds are taking me Into the Throne room of the divine These things are giving me access To a god-like state Or a direct access to god And then the other hand is usually The kind of hardcore Agnostic view which is Mm -hmm. Drugs are drugs, they create Chemical reactions in your brain Which create hallucinations which are amplifications of the things that you already feel inside, and you know, uh, I was definitely more of a proponent for the latter that I just described mm-hmm. for most of my life, um, and then through a couple of recent ayahuasca experiences, I'm not so sure anymore. Be- yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, no. because uh, it's just so, uh, you know, the ayahuasca experiences that I had recently were just so profound and kind of paradigm shifting that I'm really not sure what to make of those. Like I, it's hard for me at this point to say that was just drugs taking effect on my mind because it didn't feel like
1: that. You know, it felt like something more, but well, I think what, 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 so what you just said, I think, yeah, we, we probably came at this from exactly the same place. Then. And, and that's what I mean with that kind of voice is missing because there is, a, I'm guessing like pretty much what you just described. There is something just incredibly miraculous about these experiences. The amount of meaning you can just pack into this, you know, a couple of hours duration of one of these ayahuasca retreats or any kind of of psychedelic uh, ceremony is insane. It's just absolutely insane. And likewise, I think the the way that you can sort of internalize that in terms of sort of like, uh, you know, what's going on with your own psychology and stuff like that. Again, there's just so much depth there. And what I found was with, with this discourse is that it was not only was it in these two camps, but each of these two camps would, would kind of escalate on top of each other. So that if if it went into the kind of the mystical narrative, which again, I love that mystical narrative, but it just builds on itself into absurdity where it's like, Oh, you know, I, I, you know, I spoke to God. No, I mean, I literally spoke to God and then aliens happened and then this, and so that's all true. And it's like, I mean, the experience itself is so, it is, you know, it's it's so mystical and so captures so much. It doesn't need to go that far into kind of, you know, it, even if it's just happening purely in your own consciousness, it's still amazing. And, and yeah, likewise, the kind of like the very hardcore sort of science things will, will just escalate on top of like, there is absolutely no, nothing mysterious at all about the fact that you are having a conscious experience and that you took some chemical thing and it just flipped a switch in your brain. And then you saw geometry pour out of the fucking sky, like as though, that, as though that's not in any way interesting. And so that was the kind of like, I, I, I that's where I was kind of sort of coming out and I was like, is there not a middle ground here where I can say like, like, I have talked to God. I don't even believe in God, but I just had this experience. I cannot unhave this experience. It just happened to me. And again, it, I don't necessarily have to extrapolate it into well, I was actually the the right hand of the divine figure or whatever. It's what does it mean to me? What do I get out of this? And is you know, does God necessarily need to be some dude in the clothes, or is am am, am I my own God? Is is this my own higher power? Is it? You know, and that's that's how I kind of come at these things. I want to. I'm, I'm always looking at it for like the meanings. What does it mean to me? Like the science is super interesting. The the narratives of of these mystical experiences and these archetypes are insane. But I, 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 I'm of the opinion that it doesn't actually add any value to our existence unless, I mean, I've got to wake up in the morning. I've got to wake up. I've got to go to work. I've got to. I've got to feed my kids. If I'm sat there just staring at the wall with like dribbling about god then that that experience was useless that was if if my kids are neglected because i'm you know just completely up my own ass with you know unicorns and shit then that was a point (laughs) six. so i've got to get something out of it to make yeah to to make the experience worthwhile because i am stuck in this piece of meat for about another like 50 years Mm -hmm. and this is what i'm trying to sort of this is like the value I, I try and get it to experience, like make this better. I can't live in that world of mystical narratives. I can't live the 24-7. And and, it, and if it's all true anyway, if, that, if those worlds are all real, I'm going to be there anyway and I'm dead. So it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, So that, that's going to happen anyway.
0: Yeah, right.
1: But this, but this bit here, this is what I've got to live with. So I've got to make the best of this. And, yeah, that's kind of like – a mishmash of, of what well, I get it, but I came at it from the same place as you dude. I was, I I would say I was hardcore atheist until probably about yeah seven seven or eight years ago. Like I would have been firmly on that camp, like saying this is full of shit. Don't talk to me about God. I don't want to listen to your bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I so I was completely unprepared. I you know you, you think like some people go into these experiences and they've they've kind of got a they're expecting something. They're expecting aliens or whatever. I, I wasn't. I was very cut and dry. And then it just just landed on my face. I was like, okay, <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's just amazing stuff. It is. I'm going to pause you for one second because I have to fix
0: something. Yeah, I'm, are you, are you, I'm recording, yeah.
1: Okay, you're recording on a separate thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm recording okay. into my uh, Logic Pro thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, so... I'm gonna cut back in there so we so I can kind of just splice this together. Yeah, no but reason. um, yeah, I myself definitely came down on that that side of the camp that you're discussing as hardcore at, at one point hardcore atheist. Um, I never kind of let go of that until I don't know. It was a, it was like an internal battle between me for me between Christianity and what I was experiencing in life not not ma- not matching up with that. And it took me a long, like a lot of years to really like battle that out and decide for myself that, you know, I don't think this is making sense. And the psychedelic experience began to kind of chip away at that thought process for me. Um, And not chip away in it as in it was conscious, like it was actively trying to dissuade me Mm -hmm. or
1: I was actively trying to myself. Profound Feeling truths Or these things that I'm being shown In these
0: psychedelic experiences These things aren't matching up And it took me a long Like five or six years Of kind of Battling that out To get to The point where I was Where I was aware of what ayahuasca was That I I decided Mm -hmm. to go drink ayahuasca And then after drinking ayahuasca I guess it was even more like confusing Because It was like It didn't do what I thought it was going to do. It didn't, like, put those nails in the religion casket for me. It Mm -hmm. was more of, like, okay, well, everything that you've conceptualized about religion and God is, like, very small – in a small box. And, like, okay, we're going to open the box up and show you the possibilities of what God could be and that maybe you could be God and maybe everybody here could be God and, like Mm – so then after that, I'm just like, oh, wow, this made it way worse. But I definitely don't feel <laughs> <laughs> like it's made my confusion. It's it's exacerbated my confusion in that area. But it's also given me a little bit more of a of a grounded feeling or like an understanding that even being confused about that is okay. You know?
1: Like, yeah. So, I mean, that, I think that that's part of, of the, the sort of the challenge to it. And it, I think for some people that can be – quite destabilized it can kind of pull the rug out from underneath you because yeah you suddenly your idea of you know what is you and what is the universe and what is suddenly just blows wide open and you've got like a million different sort of religious concepts and archetypal concepts and all these sort of like you know you're you're feeling all this ancestry thing and you've got to sort of sort this out into something where you can make sense of it and it's tricky it's uh you know again particularly coming from the the position that you you described where i was the same you know it's like i thought i i had the world cut and dried i thought it was like it was me you you, you're born you turn on you live you die turn off that's it shut up and then and then suddenly yeah yeah you know you're having all these kind of experiences and all these kind of thinking about things that had never even crossed my mind before and having a sense of your sort of your own place in this this narrative of the universe and it's it's humbling it's sort of terrifying it's it's you have to try and sort of put your building blocks back in place like holy shit where do i stand here and but what doing so is also incredibly exciting it's because you get to sort of you put yourself back together into something, yeah, it's something new with a different kind of understanding, and all these new possibilities in front of you. So, but I've seen people go completely the other way and, and and just yeah, be just crapping themselves at, at, the, at the what it's it's shown them. So it's, I always you know I stand by the thing that this is not something for everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I, for for me to have that box open like that Pandora's box and, and to not see this world in this very strict sort of atheistic sort of way. anymore. And don't get me wrong, I'm not wailing on atheists or, or, or anything like that at all. And I I actually, I think I think I give a lot of, of credit to, you know, to atheists as the people doing the sort of like, you know, quite a lot of like the hard work in in fact, pushing back against a lot of these kind of religious, man-made religious systems, which I think are a lot of, there's a lot of bullshit in there. So, you know, when you've got, like, dudes like, say, like, Richard Dawkins or someone like that who people sort of wail on as, like, being a bit, bit, bit of an asshole, yeah, the guy is, like, pushing back against centuries and centuries of, of religious fundamentalism. So like, give him a bit of slack. You know what I mean? All right, he's a bit of a dick sometimes, but you know, <laughs> give, give him a bit of wiggle room.
0: But uh, um, the, the, the major Abrahamic religions have done quite considerably more damage to humanity over time than Richard Dawkins being an asshole, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, and, and it's, and I think through his assholishness, it, it, it sort of challenges people to, to look beyond the dogma. And I think that's a good, I think that's how probably a lot of, I noticed there's a lot of crossover between say like the, you know, atheism community and then the psychonaut community, because it do, you, you do have to sort of, you know, on the one hand, with that your hardcore sort of religious communities, you've got people saying just don't do this because, and then when you get these kind of, these kind of truth seeking communities, which I think is what sort of psychonauts and sort of atheism and, you know, a, a lot of other sort of communities, they're sort of saying, well, no, you actually, you find your own way. you, you test your own waters and so like people like you and I do this. And then, yeah, we've, you sort of, it challenges you. Who knows how, you, how those bits go together and you know, and some people put it together in all sorts of wacky ways. And that's, you know, I, I guess that's one of the things I do try and do a bit with my channel is try and just put out the, the arguments that make sense to me as though okay, this is why I, I think, you know, you shouldn't go completely over the edge into unicorn land because I don't think there's a lot of value there, but again, this is what works for me. You know, people are gonna are gonna find their own sort of path here. Yeah. So that's why that's why I try and avoid this kind of like guru, I'm the teacher sort of thing. I, I kind of yeah, I don't want to shoulder that kind of burden after yeah, all. Right?
0: <laughs> well, and it's funny, I was actually talking to, about this to somebody this weekend, and. They were like, yeah, you know, you're really getting into all this psychedelic stuff, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yeah, well, I started the channel. I've become more vocal about it. I've been, you know, if you want to say it like people like to say it, like walking this path or... Mm-hmm. I've been taking psychedelics for a long fucking time, you know what I'm saying? And uh for the first probably half of it, it wasn't my intention. I had no spiritual in- intentions. I had no... I had no intentions beyond it being brain candy to me. You know, that's what I thought mm-hmm. it was. And it was. And, it, it, and I would have these very big cerebral experiences that were, you know, all, had all the hallmarks of the classic psychedelic experience. Um, for my listeners, apologies. Where I'm recording right now, there's another family living here. And they have a small child and he's running around.
1: <laughs> um, I forget where I was going with that. Okay. It's all about like, sort of the brain candy sort of aspect of, of the experiences.
0: Yeah, and, and I think I'm just tying up probably the, our discussion here on uh, comparison, contrast of religion and a- atheistic thought view and psychedelia. Hang on a second. Hey, buddy. Do me a favor. Uncle Clint's working in here. Can you close the door? Robbie. Can you close the door, please? Can you take the dog with you? Robbie. Thank you. dude i'm sorry but normally (laughs) don't don't you worry about
1: man. i've got two kids myself it's i I know what happens
0: right on normally this doesn't happen so this is throwing me off today but anyways (laughs) uh i forget the point i was gonna make there but i'll finish uh, a point i've been taking psychedelics for a long time for half of that time it to me was nothing more than the kind of brain candy tripping with your friends having big experiences but it didn't mean anything beyond that to me um until my ayahuasca experience. and I was kind of given a similar uh, I was kind of told like what you were like or I think this is what you were getting at is that during an ayahuasca experience of mine, I was told, hey, go ahead it's okay to go ahead and be more vocal about this. like it's okay to use to, to create some quarter, some sort of a creative outlet around this. Um, mm-hmm. It's okay to because I had a lot of fear around that, you know, and I still do. You, you're, you're yourself as a, as a family man, as a professional. Um, you know, I don't know what line of work you do professionally, but in my line of work, if the people who pay my paycheck were to like find my channel and dig into the fact that I'm interested in this kind of stuff, I could, I would more than likely lose my job and possibly be blacklisted in the community, the small community that that I work in. Um, so she was kind of, Ayahuasca was kind of telling me like, Hey, it's okay. Like to let go of those fears, like it's going to be Okay. And, you know, this is something you've been passionate about for a long time. And right now you're having one of the biggest experiences of your life in this arena, Mm -hmm. which is kind of shaking all the foundations of what you thought you knew about reality. So it's one thing to have these psychedelic experiences and the geometric fractal patterns and the nostalgia and the feelings of love connected in this oneness. All that's great and, and, you know... There's varying levels of magnitude to that that can mean so much more to you But when you have like the core foundations of how you see reality like Oh, you get a glimpse into what seems to be life after death Mm -hmm. Like that to me was not really something that was on my radar And then I have these experiences that i'm like there's no way I can be hallucinating this this like it just seems too real um and I say all that just to kind of close up the point about this gulf between the atheistic thought camp and the spiritual encounter thought camp, if you will. Um, yeah. It's good to have somebody who's kind of in the middle. And I think I'm, I think I'm kind of in that arena. I'm kind of a middler, midler as well,
1: um, because I definitely, just, go ahead. I was just going to say, just to, just to come back to your, sort of your point there around then, like sort of. Sort of what sort of you and I are doing with these kind of channels and the, and the kind of exposure. So I think I, I think the, the way I, I guess like the situation probably in the, in the U.S. is certainly a lot stricter than where I live. I I, I, am, I realize that just by virtue of what I, where I live, I can get away with a lot, um, probably a lot more than what what you could. Um, so I understand, but I, I certainly understand your apprehension around saying the sort of things you're going to say. But the the way I would I sort of Come at that question of you know how how can I say these things without sort of exposing myself as you know as as doing something bad or whatever? And I think it's through the the, the virtue of your actions. So like you and I, we, we, we're sat here now and we're having you know a rational, intelligent conversation. And likewise, you can go and and there's a lot of this happening in the intellectual space. You know when you've got like guys like sort of like Sam Harris or you know Jonathan White and stuff. They're, they're, these are now people who are saying. I have had psychedelic experiences and these were of value to me and they're not raving like crazy people and no more than sort of you are, you are, I are. And I think that that would be, be my position is that if say, if somebody who I was not sort of going to interact with professionally came across my channel and they, and they were saying, Oh, you know, this is a bit, what what's going on here? I'll say, well, you know, I would say, watch it. Just watch it. Did, do I sound like I'm sort of losing? I've lost my mind to you. I'm talking about. This. I'm telling you about the benefits. I'm here. You can judge me on my actions. You know, and I will fully grant some of it's a little bit out there, but you know, I, I like to think that these the the net result of these experiences is a more grounded human being. And I will, I can you know, engage with anyone within my professional sphere or within my family sphere, and. That sort of that's how I kind of rationalise that down. And I, again, and as I mentioned, I think like the world is changing to catch up with us. So I think that's important that there are people like you and me who can have these conversations and lay that that sort of brickwork because it is, you know, things are getting legalised all over the place. These things are now finding their way into, um, you know, like psychological therapy. So. You know, without sort of being a bit too much up our own asses, we are at the vanguard of something here. And I think it's important that we can continue to have those kind of conversations and do so in this kind of in this rational way while fully acknowledging the doubts and the like, I don't know like what is going on here. I don't know, but I'm gonna try and do something with this. So yeah, I think this is I think this is actually an important thing that's happening within the, the this kind of psychonaut space. And I think it's 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 yeah. It's awesome that's people like yourself who are sort of willing to do that, particularly within the uh, you know the limitations of the country that you're in. So yeah, so yeah keep at it. Dude. <laughs> thank you, thank you, man. And I, and I'm going to and
0: you know it, it, she and I'm going to use this language which I've used before on this podcast because to me it's one of the simplest way to describe it. When I say she told me, it's like I was having this interaction or this data download mm-hmm. or I was receiving this information, which is more than likely from another facet of my own subconscious. Um, either way. But she's telling me, like, it's okay, just go ahead and give it a shot, like, you know, use your voice, you like to write, you like to be involved in various creative outlets, and this has been one of the most important things in the development of your life. And, you know, she made it so clear to me, she was like, look, if it weren't for your psychedelic experiences, you would not be here where you are in your career professionally mm-hmm. financially none of that without these experiences that you've had throughout your life you wouldn't even be here so give it a little bit of respect and love on the back end you know and so I started I started working on that um, but enough about that enough about me um, so there are a couple specific things I kind of wanted to talk to you and we've kind of touched on them base we kind of cursorily touched on them so far But uh, I've seen some stuff on your channel that I find very interesting um, because I don't see a lot of psychedelic arena stuff touching on these topics. But I've seen that you cover some things that I would consider a little bit heavier or a little bit darker in this arena. Uh, I'm going to throw out some – examples and then we can sure. talk about those specifically or we can just talk about kind of why you like to or why you think it's important to go into these discussions. So I've seen you discussing the shaman who claimed to have created COVID mm-hmm. uh that video which was bizarre. I watched that the actual video as well as yours and uh we can we can discuss any of these at length if you'd like. I've also seen you discussing Octavio delivering toad in a very bizarre and scary dangerous looking circumstance in my opinion Mm -hmm. um and then i also saw you recently post something about a young woman uh her ayahuasca her destabilizing ayahuasca experience so yeah that's that's actually my wife yeah oh okay that's your wife oh okay (laughs) okay great Um, well, um, anyways, we can talk about any of those in depth. Um, but I, I think it's important for us to acknowledge and discuss, uh, the dangers and the shadow side of this, if you will, or just the physically dangerous side. Um, can you speak to your interests in discussing these kind of, uh,
1: occurrences? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a couple of things as there's on, on the one hand, we've got, um, organizations or people that I have interacted with and who because of that interaction um, I feel like I've, you know, I've got some visibility of what they're doing. And in in some cases, you know, these might be people doing very good work, which I've highlighted, but in some cases there are people who've done what I would consider unethical work, which has led to harm in some cases even led to death. And yeah, I'm, 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 I, personally could not um i don't know how to phrase this i i feel i had a kind of a, a duty to to, to surface that, that kind of information but to, particularly in the case of octavio i've i have done a tour ceremony with octavio and then I, I and i had nothing but good things to say about octavio i, I had but then people would start sending me videos of, of him acting in this very abusive way and i was like shit, what do I do with this? Because on the one hand, I've had a, a profound experience as experience as anyone with with this guy. I like the guy. But on the other hand, I'm watching him basically drone somebody in real time or just lose his shit with somebody. And I couldn't not say anything about that. I feel it would have been unethical for me to not say something. So so I say something. And it's not that I hate Octavio. And like I said, I actually quite like the guy. I cannot detach myself from the fact that i had a profound experience with him but i'm not going to sit by and let that bullshit just not be said so you know i'm and i think this is an important thing about when you go down these this kind of road into sort of you know plant medicines or if you, go, if you go to some shaman it's very easy to get caught up in that thing of this guy could do no wrong this guy knows everything this you know these medicines are all powerful they can cure cancer they can do this they can no let's, there's some places where you have to sort of draw the line. There are some, you know, there are some retreat centers that are a ripoff, And that's in in a mastery place where, you know, highlighted with the guy who claims he created COVID. There are are bad actors in this field. There are good actors who are just misguided. And I think it's our duty as a psychedelic community to just surface the truth. And, you know, there's, there's retreat centers that I've been to where I really liked that retreat center, but I became aware afterwards that they were not treating their staff badly. And yeah, I'm not going to pretend that's not the case. I don't care how many profound experiences I had at that center. If if your people are getting fucked over, then I'm going to surface so it, particularly when they'll, like with a lot of the inner mastery stuff. After I did my first video, sort of being critical of, of inner mastery, uh, the, the sort of the retreat organization. Then I had people reach out to me, even ex staff members from that organization were reaching out to me saying, Here's my story. And some of them were shocking, absolutely like. And so I kind of, it was, certainly wasn't my intention. Um, but I've, I, as people were, were reaching out to me, I felt an obligation to share their story. Now, in the case of, of, of my wife, Rachel, who was the, the, the last one you mentioned about the person who had a destabilizing experience. So me and my wife have been in, the, in doing psychics for a long, 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 long time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 42 now. We've, we've been at this for, for quite a while. And yeah, she, it, she, it, it ended up to a point where um, she had a very deep ayahuasca experience and it triggered uh, a relapse of her anorexia. And she was sort of I would i I wouldn't go as far to say she had a psychotic break, but she was certainly having um she was seeing and hearing things and stuff. And this obviously it's my wife, this is someone dear to me. And we are, you know, she my wife's been in a lot of a lot of my videos. We consider ourselves, you know, advocates of these things, but there is a dark side. There is, you know, as with anything, there there is And I felt that story was just as important to tell as my own story of wow, wow, this is so amazing. Like, so, and again, so this is not. It comes back to that binary thing we talked about at the beginning. You will get a lot of people who are saying psychedelics are bad; they will make you crazy. You'll throw yourself off buildings over there, and then you get the camp over there saying psychedelics are amazing; they do no wrong. You can fly. You can talk to God. You can cure cancer over there. And then there's a bit in the middle where it's like, actually these things are amazing but there is some risks and you like yeah here's someone who knew what they were doing who had a lot of experience and still shit happened so don't let's not pretend that that like, this is all like sunshine and rainbows it's not it can get really serious so that's the kind of the balance and I thought that I was in a good position to offer that because I I do have such positive experiences but even still I've I've had extremely dark experiences on these things and I think it comes par for the course as well, particularly if you are trying to heal from some kind of traumatic event. You know, if I've I've been on retreats with, with soldiers who were just, you know, yeah, the most shell shots, like sort of PTSD people. They'd been, you know, done like eight years fighting in the Middle East. They'd been, you know, just watching the friends, just horrific stories, like just limbs blown all over the place. People who had just forgotten to be a human being. And they were doing like a lot of ayahuasca ceremonies. And to, to heal from that is not going to be an easy process. It's going to, to overcome that sort of shadow, that sort of darkness. You're going to have to face that sort of shadow, that sort of darkness. This idea, because there, there is a kind of, I think, a, a, a kind of a bullshit stereotype out there that you literally, you just, you drink one cup of ayahuasca, you throw up a bit. And in the morning, all your problems have disappeared and that's just yeah. I, I, I want to like smash that myth. Not gonna happen. Myth. No, not <laughs> at all. I I, I want to smash that myth, myth with a hammer because, you know, I've I'm, I'm working through some of these sort of issues myself. I've you know I had some suicide in my family, which I'm trying to re- resolve. And it's yeah, it can take you to like beyond edges that you did not know. With it can be extreme. dark. And, uh, and I I I am of the opinion that those journeys are worth taking that if you want to sort of see the light at the other end, you have to go through that dark place. But mm-hmm. let's, you know, I'm not going to pretend that dark place is not there. I mean, God only knows what it looks like if you say like, you know, if you're someone who's been raped or something like that, I can only imagine what's going to play out The, I think there, I I, I guess I, I just, the message i try trying to put it is, is you've got to take these things seriously. It's, mm-hmm. uh, and I would say ayahuasca is it's like an order of magnitude indifference to something, say like LSD or psilocybin. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly why that is. I'm not to go there, but there is something about the kind of the emotional cork that gets blown with ayahuasca that is just completely different to, I'd say a psilocybin trip or something like that. And I, I think people learn, um, yeah, I, I've seen people completely underestimate this thing. I've, I would say I, I, a couple of the retreats I've been on, I've seen people come out that they're just absolutely shell-shocked because they just weren't aware of the kind of like, oh, just the opening of the floodgates. You thought you're just going to do something, it would last a few hours and that would be it. And it's, yeah, these, these things go on for like weeks or even months afterwards. Yeah. And that's that's what Rachel was trying to sort of portray.
0: Yeah, I've, uh, i My ayahuasca, which I've only drank ayahuasca twice And that was last year I'm planning to do I'm planning to I'm taking a trip Uh, I'm leaving like in a week And I'm going to drink ayahuasca again Several times uh, uh, During my travels But every single day Since my last That I drank ayahuasca I think about it in some way It comes up in some form It's like I've given this analogy before But it's like this box With like all these different drawers And keyholes And it's like you kind of have to play with the box every day and then like eventually one of the keys will open and there's something in the drawer and you'll be like, oh, okay, now this kind of fits into like – and yeah, that's – I'm I'm just saying that to speak to the the long-lasting like profundity of it. It's just – yeah, it's been, yeah, a, it's and been it, almost a year now, and I still think about it all the time. Yeah, uh, you
1: know? I, I hear you, man. I hear you. It's yeah, and again, that's the thing I think people are unprepared for. And that was one of the points where where my wife Rachel was making that video. She she did the ayahuasca experience, and it was around about I think like eight months later. It just bang hit her, and yeah, and I that I think if you even if you'd said that to me like like seven or eight years ago. I would have just said, that's bullshit. That's like, there is no way you could, you take some substance and then seven months later, it, it causes some sort of effect. Something else happened. And yeah, and that's, I guess that when I was kind of making that video, I was I was really talking to an old version of me though. I was saying, look, yeah, you've got to, this happens and I've seen it like a, a few times. I've, I've had it myself, not to that kind of much of a degree, but certainly I've come back from a retreat and it's been like, sort of like, you know, six or seven weeks later and I thought I was absolutely fine. And then I was like, just, just waves of like, of like sadness or, or even joy or, or just, just, just suddenly I was on this emotional roller coaster, Mm -hmm. and yeah, you, it it can be really sort of knock you off your feet. Um, and I I think people have, you have a hard time comprehending that until you've been through it.
0: It's, Well, you know, and I think that this kind of what we're discussing now kind of leads back full circle into what we we're discussing earlier, and that these substances are so powerful; they're so um, they're so able to open you in so many on so many different planes, uh, be it psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, even physically, that um, not only can they have these long lasting or drawn out like. The I- you stop tripping ayahuasca in like six hours, but it's been over six months for me and I still have like these residual – not like mm-hmm. H- not like HPPD or anything, but it's just like these these thoughts that come up that are tied to that experience somehow and, and how that experience is tied to the rest of my life and all these like intricate little ways. Um, so it makes you susceptible in that way, but it also opens you up in such a way that it makes you susceptible – to going too far one way or the other, kind of what we were talking about, you know, um, you're talking about what I would consider I mean I've tried all most drugs known to man at one point or another, and none of them even come close to the power of DMT, basically mm-hmm. <laughs> you know DMT yeah. is the kind of like king of drugs in my opinion because, within DMT are encompassed the effects of every other drug that you would ever take at some point, albeit not so controllable and not so like, not like if you if you snort cocaine, you know what it's going to feel like. It's going to be the same thing every single time. If you drink alcohol, mm-hmm. you know the effects. All those effects are encompassed within the DMT experience. However, you can't just call them up for your use right then. Um,
1: but yeah, th- DMT, DMT, I'd say, was the one that, yeah, that it, that was like the the game changer for me because like, like your own sort of story, I I, I was doing a, a lot of these substances since my teenage years as, you know, like party drugs, as sort of brain cancer. All, you know, LSD was like the sort of the drug of choice when when I was like a, a teenager and then became MDMA, sort of took over. So I I did a lot of LSD, but even, you know, I think I've been second LSD since I was like 14 or 15 years old. And it was always like you say, I wouldn't even say it was like brain candy. It was just, it was just, it was just party stuff. It was party time, angry at your friends. Things were very funny. It was very giggly. And then it was when, when I had DMT, God knows how many years ago now, but you know, maybe like seven or eight years ago, then I was like, holy shit, that was the psychedelic experience. That was it. Like what the, that, Yeah, I knew nothing. Like this, this, this was like a. I I had no idea that kind of change of state was was possible, and to this, you know, these these fully realized alternate realities, and it was that sort of initial experience with sort of smoked DMT that maybe sort of led me onto ayahuasca because I thought, I mean, I, I had some pretty profound effects just from smoking dmt mm-hmm. so i thought i've got to see this in a sort of a, in a bigger space i need to spend more time in this space to see what the fuck's going on mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i i, I would totally agree with your, your statement of dmt is like the sort of the king of substance it, it just it just decimates the, <laughs> like by orders of magnitude if everything else is like the and DMT is up there, and I'd say you can sort of get there with stuff like sort of psilocybin, but it takes like a lot, um, and it's very—it's not quite as precise, I would say. Um, yeah. But but yeah, sort of.
0: Well, in a roundabout way, I was trying to get back to a point of saying um, just that these substances can be destabilizing. I mean, they—that's de- mm-hmm. not that they can be; they are. Even for people mm-hmm. like yourself and myself that have undergone. I would assume dozens, if not hundreds of psychedelic experiences, um, they are destabilizing every time, you know, and I, and I still have that fear every time that I'm getting ready to go in and I still have that anxiety <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and I think it actually increases over time because it does. It definitely does. Mate. Yeah. Cause I remember, uh, you know, I'm trying not to tangent off of the point I'm making here, but I remember when I was a kid, um, uh, well, I'm not that old now, I'm 30 years old, but. You know, the first time I took acid sixteen, seventeen, and then started taking it regularly, there was not a sliver of hesitation in me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm like, give me that. I'll drop I'll drop all the acid. Okay, how mm-hmm. much? Yeah, give me the shrooms. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would always have these, uh, you know, I'd always have good experiences, profound, deep, sometimes difficult, but uh good experiences. And then now that I've gone even further and further into the void, like it's like Dude, now I have Syria. Like, I don't know if I can go back there. You know what yeah. I'm saying?
1: Like, well, I think this is because it's it. It is like you say. It is challenging you or oh, destabilizing. And, and it's, I guess. I guess the difference here is it's a, it's a. You're, you are consenting to that sort of destabilization. You you know what you're getting into. But that doesn't. Once you have tasted it, you know that's what's kind of coming. Or at least on a subconscious, you do. Because I, yeah. If if I had the prospect of knowing that I was going to finish this conversation with you and go and smoke DMT. My stomach would be doing backflips right now. I would, this would be like the equivalent of knowing that you're going to get your ass kicked after school. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm like oh my, you know. And I, there's been times that I've just completely sort of pussied out of it, just because it's, it's just been too much. It's been too much anxiety. Even though I knew I wanted to do this thing and I knew I would get some benefit from it, it's that the prospect of seeing that void and and having to sort of insert yourself into that picture is yeah i, I, I to say that it's terrifying is not anywhere near an accurate word it's it, it's it's repellent in some way it's repellent yeah. to you wanting to stay grounded in this reality it's like but then but the kind of the flip side is is that the amount of awe and wonder and 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 that's you know when it, like we use the word sort of like awesome a lot in sort of you know in everyday life and really there's nothing particularly awesome in everyday life but when you go to the other side of these experiences then that is like true awe like true on your knees before creation like holy shit and i think it's that what makes these experiences so valuable to me is that ex- that t- t- to sort of be in the face of, of of that and, and just be awestruck and have your your mouth literally like uh, like <laughs> holy shit and 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 then to to come back with that and just be sort of reinvigorated with with like the wonder of cre- of creation the world around you mm. is amazing but yeah that precipice is is terrifying and I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you heard there's a I think where where Terence McKenna would give it to some sort of Buddhist monk or something and um gave dmt to this buddhist monk and he said afterwards what, what what do you make of that and this buddhist monk says oh yeah well that's it's the little lights that is as far as you can go and still come back any further than that and you wouldn't be able to that's basically across the path into death yeah and i think that's probably psychologically a very accurate sort of thing because yeah it's what i mean what is it if people relate like the DMT experience to the sort of like the near-death experience or whatever. I would completely buy that. It's, it's that's, that that seems to be perfectly feasible. It's just so bizarre. And I've certainly had that experience narrated to me as clearly as I'm narrating to you now that this is the kind of like, this is the post, sort of the world of post-matter. Like once you, once you, we leave this room, that we will return to this kind of like collective unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. And that was actually kind of useful for me because it completely cured me of a, a anxiety I was having around death. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that.
0: Well, what else can you say? It's crazy stuff. I know, man. Yeah, talk. Well, you start talking about DMT, man, it gets crazy. And you know, I've I've had that also on
1: salvia. Have you ever smoked salvia before? I've not known, and I've I, I think with, with salvia, it, it used to be when I was living in uh, in the UK, it was very readily available, mm-hmm. and um and, and it was kind of it was seen as something like a like what what kids would take to free con free toe that There wasn't a lot of sort of value in it, so I'd, <laughs> I'd kind of I'd written it off as as not worth sort of doing. And then since I started this channel. I'd started looking into a bit more and I'd had people sort of message me. I've had, had a few conversations. So I thought, okay, if I get the opportunity to, I, I will try Salvia. But no, it's actually incredibly difficult to get hold of in Europe. Um, I think I could probably get it if I went to like the Netherlands or something like that. But
0: you can find in terms it. of – You just got to look in the, the right places on the internet. You can find it. I might be yeah. to, I might be able to help you out. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean if I if I if I had the opportunity to do it, I think I probably would try yeah, and...
0: Honestly though, I don't know, man. For me, I think Salvia I think Salvia dwarfs DMT even. I think Salvia Really? I think Salvia is the is the king shit, dude. Honestly, man, I've never been so just decimated by anything. DMT has never roughed me up like Salvia. Salvia to me is the ultimate complete dissociative total hallucination loss of the memory that you used the drug to get there mm-hmm. and just this violent onslaught of the most insane psychedelia combined with total dissolution of your physical body and extremely uncomfortable for me every time not not pleasurable but uh, I've learned some really cool things from it, like particularly this last time I did it actually, which is odd, and I wouldn't recommend anybody to do this. But whatever, I did it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I I broken through on DMT, mm-hmm. and I was coming back, kind of like the world was like reassembling itself around me, and for some reason I had I had the pipe with the salvia in it, and I had set it like over there near my little staging area whatever you want to call it and like i felt like the dmt was like telling me like go ahead go hit the salvia like try it and i was like no 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 and uh it's just kind of like this little whisper like go ahead go ahead give it a rip so i'm like okay here we go and so i immediately forget that i've used any Mm -hmm. drugs at all like so i'm i'm in this hallucination which is complete and I actually have the salvia pipe in my hand. I'm like, hmm, why do I have this? So I put it down and I'm like, okay. Things are weird, but I'm not sure exactly why this is happening. So I kind of like go outside to my back porch, which is like through a room out to the back. And I'm just like standing there looking up at the stars in my backyard. And all of a sudden, like, I, the, like the realization that I'm dead hits me. I'm like, oh shit. I've, somehow I've killed myself. Like I'm not sure how. Mm-hmm. But I'm dead now. And so then it's like the, the existential dread just like boom, piles on top of you, you know? You're like, oh, fuck, you dude, I've done it this time. Like, I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know exactly how, but somehow I've fucking gone too far out. So then my body starts getting like tractor beamed. My soul, at rather, starts getting like tractor beamed back to my body. So I'm like, like rolling around the walls in my room, like sucking back to my body. And I see my body sitting there on the couch, like slumped over. And I'm Holy like, shit. so I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, I've been, tri- I've been tripping this whole time. Okay. So mm-hmm. hang on. I smoke salvia. Okay. Yeah. I smoke salvia. Okay. And so at this point I'm like so buried under the weight of this immense fear of being dead, you know, that like I'm, st- I'm panicking. Because I don't remember how I got here I don't know if I can get back to normal It's always that thing Mm -hmm. of like Can I get back to normal Can I get back And so I start having that conversation And I start crying You know because I'm fucking terrified And I'm like Am I going to be okay Am I going to be okay Like can I go back Can I go back And it's like the salvia spirit Whatever you want to call it dude Whatever's happening there I'm not sure It's like it's going to be okay Just get back in your body It's going to be okay Like just go sit down And get in your body And I'm, like, crying like, begging for my life to, like, come back, you know. And so she just tells me, go sit down in your body. So I literally, like, go put my feet in my feet, sit down. Like, oh, my God, I'm back. And, uh, dude, I cried and cried and cried about that because it was, like, I really, I literally faced my death, you know. That was, like, the hardest ego death I've ever had. Where mm-hmm. it wasn't like abstract and it wasn't like a part of me was dying. It was like I was dead. Like I had I had to accept the fact that I was never coming back. And then I got to come back and it was just like the most beautiful, like amazing experience. Even though it was the scariest shit that's ever happened to me. I've had other Saudi, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had other Saudi experiences that were real fucking scary, but that one was real scary. On like a on a deep existential level, so.
1: Uh, but those are always the ones that that have the most sort of value and meaning, and this this is why I kind of lean towards this thing of like, I I, I don't necessarily think like a bad trip or a, or a challenging experience is like something to be written off, because the 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 value in what you've just described is immense, mm. and you know I I yeah I've I've got my own sort of versions of, of that story, whereas. And I, get that, I think that's one thing you get with a lot of psychonauts when when you know someone's telling a story and you say and you get that point where like oh man you've done it now, just the whole room goes oh yeah yeah I know <laughs> I've I've been there yeah and uh and yeah but it's once you have gone through something like that it I mean it it is as real as as reality gets it it's uh, there's no difference in this and this, this is kind of another reason why you know the kind of the hardcore science thing just kind of falls apart where Oh well, it's it's just drugs. It's just hallucinations. Yeah, not when you're in it. It's not at that <laughs> moment. It is the most real thing ever. So you can't just you can't just rationalise your way out of it. It's it's happening, and you've got to suck it up. So, but yeah, but, but having been through it, then yeah, you can overcome sort of you know like fears of death. You can overcome sort of fears, of anxiety. You can heal from the you know the things that were haunting you for decades before. That's. That's like the amazing thing about these these things, and it's yeah, it's it's not it doesn't come for free. You have to you have to go into those deep waters to yeah. to get those kind of those kind of benefits.
0: And it's like uh, you know I've had all this time working with these things, and and they work obviously like we were discussing in the beginning. Taking psychedelics is one thing, but integrating them and using them in your day to day life is another thing, and it takes time to learn how to do that to kind of understand that the trip itself, the experience itself is only like the, the first aspect of the journey. Like you have to, mm-hmm. well, you don't have to, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but if you just keep gobbling psychedelics and not trying to use whatever you're learning there to better your physical day-to-day life, then what's the fucking point, you know?
1: Yeah, um, exactly. And, th- and th- this is a thing I was talking like earlier where like, I, I think some people do fall into that trap, That's you know, you see people like thinking that the 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 answer you know you have one of these psychedelic experiences and then the, the answer to that is to just, just stay and try and stay in that state as much as possible. And I would say that's probably the yeah the, the wrong approach. You want to if if there's one thing these things do, it is teach us a lesson, just like the lesson you just you just mentioned. And what are you going to do with that lesson? The lesson isn't well, just stay dead in in psychedelic world then. It's. <laughs> Yeah, do something positive with it. Use that to make a, a positive change to yourself, and then maybe to you know the, mm-hmm. the people around you, and then maybe to the world at large. And yeah, so it's. I think this integration thing is is a topic that's very close to my heart, and it's. I think it's tricky in that it, I think it's still a relatively new topic. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no fixed rules here because, particularly if you say if you go to like a, a culture in the Amazon, um, the this concept of integration just doesn't exist because the society is built around having these psychedelic experiences. They don't need to integrate. If, you, you, if you're if you living in a village in the Amazon and you wake up on a Tuesday and say, I tripped my bollocks off last night, then that's just a Tuesday. If right. I went into the office and did that on Tuesday, they would, I'd be in a straitjacket by, <laughs> by the end of the day. Exactly. So integration in the Western world, and again, in, in all, all different sort of cultures within the Western world, is completely different to... Like the concept of integrating if you're in the Amazon. So we've got to work this out for ourselves because this is not something we can import from South America. They don't have it. For them, it's just it's the day to day. We as as Westerners who've got to who, who have you know our own sort of culture and society, we've got to work out, okay, how can I have a transcendent experience on Friday and then function on Monday? Mm-hmm. How do I do that? How do I go to my nine to five job when as you say really all I'm thinking about is all the different keys and all the different locks of my mind as it all as it just explodes in real time mm-hmm. so this is something this is like the challenge that we've got gotta sort of work out for ourselves and I think that there's ways of doing that and certainly like ways of of, of exploring I think there's I've, I put a lot of stock in things like uh, Jungian psychoanalysis and uh, but also just you know the very basics of staying grounded, and uh, I, again, this is why I think it's important to have these conversations about, you know, just just with like-minded people in a sort of in a very simple, down-to-earth manner. Because I think, like, when you're having conversations about, you know, quantum entanglement and zero-point energy fields and sort of you know ninth-level vibration frequencies of the, you know, it's like <laughs> of, of the, of the, like this is. This is meaningless bullshit. It doesn't. I'm not. I'm not saying that like the concept, you know, like chakras or, or quantum mechanics is bullshit, but to just string it together into this psychedelic language is meaningless. I think what we what we've got to do as a community is we've got to yeah build our own sort of like vocabulary up in so so it can be something meaningful rather than just fucking yeah. Yeah. Like I, said, I, I a lot of this psychonaut stuff is just complete psychobabble, I think. Dude, for real. I was I was trying to get
0: to that earlier. We got a little sidetracked, but I was gonna say, man, since I've started doing this podcast and reaching out and, and talking to people in different aspects of psychedelia, and for this project, I'll talk to anybody. Like uh mm-hmm. I, I want it to be very like informative, good guest, but I, I talked to my last guest who I'm gonna platform this coming week, he's a ex military who his first truffle experience like a month ago and he's like 55 mm-hmm. years old so I was like and he was just a fan of my Instagram page and he commented and said hey I'm taking my first truffle experience this is my first psychedelic experience you know wish me good luck yada 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 and so then he came back and I was like hey I want to talk to you because that's you know for most of the people that I'm talking to they have already well versed in this they've been taking psychedelics a long time yada 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 uh, so anyways I thought he, his would be a nice new voice but uh Man, I meet so many of these people who are talking about eighth dimensional arcturian aliens and fucking mm-hmm. starseed indigo children and all I mean, oh, yeah. like bro <laughs> calm calm down dude like I I, I
1: can't take you seriously. <laughs> I think I think the the, the way I would sort look at it with that is what like what does that do for 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 sort of you for the world at large, like there's I don't think there's any kind of conversation that you can have around sort of you know uh, my my frequency is this or, or the tenth dimension of this like it it's it's only good for kind of babbling to other people who are in a similar ungrounded state. So there's no if if I go to you know if I go to my mother-in-law and start talking like that then she, it, it's just going to fulfill every single one of her stereotypes that, oh my God, he has gone up completely off the rails on, on drugs. But if I go and I, if I could present myself as sort of you and I are presenting, her like in a kind of in a collected way and saying, look, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I'm going to work, I'm fulfilling all my obligations as, as a parent, as a husband, I'm feeling better within myself. I'm, you know, a lot of the things that were bothering me are not bothering me anymore. I'm feeling more hopeful. Then there's not a lot you can say to that, like, "Oh my God, he's on drugs. He's just, you know, he's he's gone completely off the rails." Talking about being happy and having an adjusted life, you know. So it's, <laughs> so, yeah. The, the I think the, the the kind of like the the very hardcore psychonauts speak. I think is good, with as long as it's within the terms of subjective experience. Because when you obviously, you know, you want to talk about these experiences. The, these experiences, and I I will talk about them as as. Good as anybody else can, and I talk about you know being in the face of creation, or being in the you know the right hand of God, or, or you know having dialogue with myself as you know as my own sort of archetypes of fuck knows what, and that comes with a certain amount of fluffy speech. You can't get away from that, mm-hmm. but as I think, as long as it's done within this framework of like, this was my subjective experience. But over, this is what I'm going to do with it. I think this is where you need to be grounded. And I think this is where you can be kind of fluffy and creative. And I think the people who stick those two things together, and it's like, well, because I saw this, then, yeah, reality doesn't exist. And um, everything is just being, I'm just imagining everything. And, yeah, that's not a way to live. That's not going to help your, you know, be a grounded person. It's not going to help you sort of, you, you know, you, you sort of, it's not going to help spread a positive image of these substances and what they can do or, you know, so I, that's how I kind of like pass it out in like poetic, create poetic subjectivity over the grounded objectivity over here. Sure. Sure. And I think there's room for both
0: in the psychedelic experience, you know, and I hate to be, um, that guy. Um, and you know, even my friends will tell me that now they're like, dude, can't you just like take some acid and chill? Can't you just take some mushrooms and chill? And I'm like, not really anymore, dude. Like <laughs> no, no. I want you guys to have fun, have all the great time you I want you to laugh, giggle, watch cartoons. That's great, man. But to me, this is something more now. And mm-hmm. at some points I'm kind of resentful of that. But what it's given me though has been, you know, far beyond giggling at cartoons on a couple grams of mushrooms. Um But I think there's room for both of that in this in this uh arena because god knows if sure. i if i wouldn't have taken my first gram of mushrooms and giggled and watched the walls melt and had a great time you know years ago then i wouldn't probably not be here right now doing this and life would have been a completely different set of circumstances
1: so i think yeah there- i think I, I think there's definitely room for both and in fact I would, I would say so it's pretty critical for both and i certainly i, I, I you know i think there's 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 one thing to take these things purely as, as like a, a sort of party drug, and that's obviously something that I would sort of advocate against. But there is also something to be said where, and, and even when I've been on like sort of, you know, ayahuasca retreats, like, you know, deep into the sort of traditional framework, there is still space for this. Sometimes you just need to feel just, you just need to have fun and need to feel the joy of being a human being. That's it's part of our, the kind of the problem of our society is everything's so fucking serious, and you got this weight on your shoulders, and you just get swallowed under your old bullshit. And sometimes, man, like, like you know, even on like ayahuasca treats, it's usually towards the end of the retreat as the sort of people have done the big work and it's winding down. You can have joyous, fun experiences and just feel like, fuck me, this is so good to be alive. This is just like, I needed this, I just needed to feel like myself. It doesn't always need to be super intense language of the undescribable, you know, destroyed before the cosmos. Sometimes it's just like, God, it's fucking ace to be alive. Like it's, uh, you know, and I think that's, so yeah, I think that I think there's a, a balance. I don't think it all necessarily needs to be sort of super serious. I think there's a lot of spirituality can come from that, what I've just described of just being, just just a joy to be alive or you know being sort of here with my wife and sort of just be able to look and say oh my god i love you like this is <laughs> you know yeah. i do you know I, and i knew it all i knew how much i loved you but i just I fucking love you man. <laughs> you know, and it's it's so nice to be reminded and just have your own bullshit kind of cut away yeah so so yeah i think i i I, I think that balance of fun and um and i I think recreational's a kind of almost become like a dirty word in So but I don't necessarily think it should be. I think there's there's something there where it can be yeah, super sort of so sort of joyous. Well, there
0: there's a, there is an inherent level of recreation in it if you're a curious and interested person because mm-hmm. you're not going to have a more curious or interesting experience on in this life that I'm aware of. You know, if you're just someone who naturally likes to learn and explore things and adventure and figure things out and have new experiences. Well, this is the greatest theme park on planet Earth. It's right here inside your mind. And, you know, all you need is the right ticket to get in. And so to say that it's not recreational at some point is facetious to me because if we didn't like there's something about it we like or we wouldn't do it because it's too goddamn scary to do it unless you really like it you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i think there's room for all this and i think it all should be appreciated um and you know even those people who were kind of we're discussing and maybe a, a, a way that we disagree with the people who are about their aliens and you know, their uh, their quantum physics and all, you know, tying, basically tying every esoteric concept in together. I get it. Psychedelics are a very esoteric experience. They're very mm-hmm. occultic. It's very, you know, being shown behind the curtain. And so all these things that have anything to do with being shown behind the curtain tend to gravitate toward each other. You get a lot of crossover in the... Conspiracy theory realm. Yeah. You get a lot of crossover and, uh, you know, and, and all these high, strange categories. And that's cool <laughs> if you want to do that um, to each their own. Who am I to tell people what they should and should be experiencing when they're using psychedelics for their own personal exploration or whatever? Anyways, man, I think we've covered a lot here. I think that's about it, but I'd like to give you a chance to tell people about your channel specifically, where they can access your content because uh you do some good stuff man and people who listen to the show more than likely already are aware of your channel but tell them where. Sure,
1: yeah to do. <clears throat> yeah sure so yeah you can check me out on on youtube i'd say it's my main platform so that's uh, Adeptus to psychonautica uh, i also have a subreddit where you know people can go and suggest topics for me to talk about or just sort of engage in conversation uh, so again that's uh, Adeptus to psychonautica if you search on reddit for that um on instagram i think also i've just recently started using instagram so i'm a bit late to that party but again if you search for depth to psych you'll find me on there and yeah i think that i'd say that's my sort of three main platforms uh, at the moment um i do sort of monthly live streams or so people can do sort of like a live q a so but yeah i would say if you go to youtube um that, that's probably the place to start is watch a few of my videos and uh See if you think I'm talking complete shit or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, no, I, I've, I've been watching your videos now for a, quite a while. I work overnight, so a lot of times uh, I'll have a lot of several hours downtime and then I'll go down rabbit holes, you know? So I've definitely mm-hmm. gone down the rabbit hole of your channel. I've probably, I probably watched most of your stuff. There are several YouTubers that I, got, that I got really addicted to at a certain point and you were one of those. So anyways, thanks for all the late night uh, entertainment and information. That I, oh, you're welcome. I'll thank you for watching. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that was probably about six months ago that I really got into all your – that was actually right before no, – that was further back than that because that was right before I went to drink ayahuasca. I was kind of mm-hmm. in that like information collecting mode you know, where I wanted to get everything and read all the books and watch all the videos. And then when I get there in the middle of ayahuasca ceremony, it's like I'm laughing at myself like how fucking stupid – to think that i could somehow prepare for this experience like what a dumbass
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's definitely it's it's definitely unpreparable for but it's still i, I, I mean I, I did the exact same thing and you've got i, I think yeah you you've got to do it because you've you've got to try and get as much in as uh, information as possible because you want to have you don't want to be like i think the total dumbass is is, is the person who Like I say, goes into is completely blind with completely false expectations. But yeah, it is it is undefinable. There's no amount of homework that will yeah, when that thing lands on you, you're like
0: Yeah That's (laughs) the vibe I got. I was like, well, this is pretty funny that I read all these books about this shit because there's no possible way you could ever describe this to anybody through a
1: book. Just quick quick question for you did you when you had the experience did it's did you get this feeling of like familiarity that that you'd oh yeah I that... get, but i get that
0: feeling of familiarity with almost every psychedelic i always get this feeling of like deep nostalgia almost mm-hmm. that like uh like i've been there before even yep. even though obviously every set scenario that unfolds and each psychedelic experience is different I always get this like underlying sense of I call it nostalgia but familiarity is a good word too I get it I get it on I I, I get that sensation every time I use any psychedelic
1: yeah I, I, that was one of the things that really stood out for me but particularly on DMT where it was just like oh it's it's this of course it's this it was so. It wasn't just that it was like familiar; it was home. It yeah. was, uh, yeah. And I think that's that's one of the most kind of interesting bits of that whole experience to me. Like, why why there's something that seems very common amongst a lot of people that they yeah. they feel this like this this yeah archetypal knowledge of this place, even though it's unfolding before them in this kind of new and bizarre way. Mm-hmm. I remember that distinctly, having
0: that feeling uh, on my first acid trip, which was a long time ago. But I remember there was a portion of the trip where I was just laying there and I'm like, eyes closed, watching this like cascade of this waterfall cascade of color and these like geometric fractals coming out, and you know, all those classic like psychedelic closed eye visuals. But during mm-hmm. this like, entire probably hour long, just me laying there, just watching whatever is happening behind my eyes, I'm having this like deep, intense moment of like, just the most deep nostalgia you could ever I could ever describe. It's just like like something that I've missed for so long. like I really missed being there but I'm not quite I can't quite remember being there, but it's like it feels so comfortable and familiar. Um, that was the most intense I've ever had it. and I had this feeling like my mm-hmm. I had this feeling like my brain was so ancient and like my brain was like compacted. And, like, I had this vision of my brain, like, truh, 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 like opening up, like, infinitely. And, yeah. But on, when I smoke DMT, I have it every time, instantly. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the hallmark for me. It's the first thing I feel is, like, I feel like my head kind of, like, flower petals almost. Mm-hmm. Or, like, tentacles come off my head. It, it's so weird, but it the way I describe it is, like, it feels like I'm blossoming to, like, catch... Whatever is happening around me. And and then as soon as like the visual goes or like I go into the tunnel or whatever, I always get the feeling of like, okay, I remember this now. This is okay. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And I never have negative honestly, I've never had a negative DMT experience, uh, smoke DMT. Because I don't know, for me it's always just so beautiful and it's always so like awe-inspiring. That I don't even get the chance to be afraid, because I'm yeah, just like I'm just yeah. like what the fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would say on DNT I had one fleeting moment, which was like an absolute shit my pants moment, <laughs> and it was and again and then I just like got, got pulled along on the roller coaster, but I'll this it, I'll never forget this like particular moment, and it was just the whole thing it like kind of like crashed. I went to like a sort of like blue screen of death, and like a voice just kind of like. Like like the matrix just like collapsed and this voice just said to me clear as a bell, and this is what happened when it when it goes wrong. Oh, and I was shit. and and then I was just like, okay, am I have I broken it? Am I ever coming back? And then it's went whoosh and carried on. Yeah. But for that one moment, man, I yeah. It, it it was just terror compacted into this thing. Cause I thought I'd just completely fucked my brain. <laughs> it yeah. was uh, yeah, it was it was like being like, yeah, virtual reality just crashed around me yeah. and there was just nowhere to go. i was like, shit. Yeah.
0: I'm <laughs> going to let you go in just a second. Um, uh, I was just – I was trying to get to this point about the Salvia earlier. We, we've kind of gotten back around to our points in a roundabout way. I feel like we've tangented, but we've done well to keep it in a, in a vein. But uh, what I was getting at about the Salvia thing that – when I had that ego death or that death experience that scared the shit out of me um, – Luckily, I've had all these other previous psychedelic experiences to kind of frame that for me. So when I came back, I was able to instead of saying, "Oh my god, that was the scariest fucking thing that's ever happened. I'm never doing that again. Uh, I can't believe this shit. Like, how am I not dead?" Instead, I, I came back and I just cried to because I was so thankful to be alive. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't that the me dying was wasn't the point of it. The point of it was. Be thankful that you're still that you're alive. You know, like don't yeah. don't take for granted just being, just existing. Because look, this is what it's like to be dead. And you yeah, know exactly. You don't want to
1: it, it tells you it, it re. This is kind of what I was saying about that that sense of like awe and wonder. It's it's tell like yeah. You you are not entitled to exist. You have a gift. You have been given this gift of existence, and you better fucking make the best of it because it can. It can go out like that. And that's, you know, I think that's the lesson that I get from those kind of experiences. Like, yeah, Jesus Christ, I've, I've been sitting here wondering about like, you know, what's going on, what's going on with Brexit and what's going on with fucking, you know, who's got some drama on Facebook. And this is bullshit. This is just bullshit. You have got, you you are a creature of limitless possibilities. You can do whatever the fuck you want and you sat there stewing about some fucking financial political situation in, in England. Like, get over it, dude, you know, make the best of your life. And I think that's the kind of the, that's what these, those kind of very traumatic experiences would tell you. So like, yeah, you did this life. It's not for free. It's not a throwaway I think you better make the fucking best of it. Hell yeah. And so it's, it's good to get your ass kicked like that once in a while. Yep. Yeah, we need it. We definitely need it. Well, Rob, thank
0: you so much for uh, joining us here at Psychedelicast. Rob of Adeptus Psychonautica. Any
1: last words, anything to close the show here? Uh, just thanks for having me man it's, I've really enjoyed talking to you and yeah if you've got any more questions let's do it again I'd love to yeah, we could, I'm sure we could talk some, plenty more about this stuff
0: oh yeah man we'll, we'll definitely do this again thank you once again for coming on the show and that's it ladies and gentlemen our chat with Rob of Adeptus Psychonautica fascinating dude excellent content creator can't recommend his YouTube channel enough I love watching him and uh, you know like we discussed in that episode he's willing to Um, he's often willing to look a little deeper maybe look at some things that uh, a lot of people in this community don't want to look at uh, the dark side and uh, I think that's good work I think he does a good job and I really really appreciate you for coming on the show Rob thank you so much we will do it again in the future beyond that psychedelic casters I ain't got much else to say let's have a weird word from one of our psychedelic predecessors before we go How about, oddly enough, a word from everyone's favorite atheist, Mr. Sam Harris? One of the greatest responsibilities we have as a society is to educate ourselves along with the next generation about which substances are worth ingesting and for what purpose and which are not. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to have you here with us on Psychedelicast. Thank you so much for your for your joining us in the attempt to pry open the third eye. We'll see you next time, and we love you. Bye-bye.